This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city. Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it. Summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So, yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our View of the Opposition show. As I talk to someone who supports Fulham's opposition for the upcoming match, this episode I'll be talking to Larry Guinan, who's an Arsenal supporter. He's on to give us the Arsenal perspective for this upcoming match. Well, before we go on any further, I have to welcome my guest to the show. First time, obviously. Larry, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Russ. Looking forward to it. Well, listen, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about your history of supporting Arsenal to get us going here. Uh, sure, yeah. So I uh, I started supporting Arsenal probably, I'd probably pinpointed around about 1987 when they beat Liverpool in the League Cup final that year, which not very many teams didn't beat Liverpool around that time when uh, they were, you know, in or at their peak. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a kid. Most kids... Uh, I grew up in Ireland, and uh, most kids were either Liverpool or Man United supporters, right. um, and I was always a contrarian. So, um, <laughs> and, and my dad had a bit of a thing for Arsenal from back when they had a bunch of Irish players back in the early '80s as well. So, um, so yeah, from around about then, which was a good time uh, to start supporting Arsenal because uh, George Graham was just starting to work his magic, and of course, 
uh, they won the league a couple of years later in uh, in pretty crazy fashion. So um, it's uh, been been supporting them ever since. Okay, fantastic. So it should be very interesting to uh, talk to you about Arsenal because we're going to be talking a little bit about Arsenal Wenger in just a second. I want to get your thoughts about the uh, differences between the managers. But before we do that, let's talk about your season so far in two parts. Let's start with the first two matches, which were both losses. So just talk to me about the beginning of the Emery uh, era. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of um, the fixture list wasn't too kind uh, in terms of putting up Manchester City and Chelsea as the first two games, uh, really. Probably not how he would have preferred to, to ease into the post-Wenger um, uh, years. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the first game was really no surprise. It really just served to prove what I think we already knew, which is that Manchester City are just on a different level uh, to Arsenal at the moment. Uh, yeah. That was a pretty comfortable win uh, for City. And it was at Arsenal were at home in that game. But, um, you know, once City got ahead, Arsenal I mean, they had a couple of chances, but they never really looked like uh, um, coming to grips with that. And, and really, the only interesting thing about that game was it was, one of, it was our first glimpse at Emery putting a system in place that was specifically designed to counter the opposition where he had Ramsey kind of as the highest player up the field leading a lot of the kind of high pressing but you know beyond that um, there wasn't really much to take from that game it just uh, it kind of went as expected um, you know the second game then against Chelsea that was a little disappointing just because um, you know Chelsea got off to a good start and they went 2-0 up and Arsenal at that point kind of woke up got back into the game got it back to 2-2 at half time um, but they were very passive in the second half. Um, they really didn't kind of continue on from from where they had during the comeback, and um, Chelsea ended up winning that one three two. And you know, it, it was it felt like there was a point or more there in that game, but uh, they just didn't like they really didn't do anything in the second half, and, and that was a bit uh, disappointing, particularly because you know, I think most Arsenal fans going into the start of the season. You know, the goal really is to try and get back into the, that top four as, as right. the first starting point for Emery. And we probably would expect that Manchester City and Liverpool look to be on a different level. So that leaves probably two cases from, you know, four, really, if you're looking at the big six clubs uh, for, the, for the last two cases and, and giving up three points to Chelsea um, at the start of the season. Those could be crucial come the end of the season. So, um, you know, but at the same time, I don't think there was a lot of, panic necessarily I think you know it was it was kind of understood it was tough to have those two games to start off with and and um, you know Emery kind of needs some time to to get the team going the way he wants them to go well let's just say you rebounded from that you've won seven in a row in all competitions which is actually excellent you've beaten West Ham then you beat Cardiff City followed by Newcastle United and you won a match in the Europa League and that was followed up by victories against Everton, a victory in the uh, League Cup against Brentford, and then you beat Watford. So let me ask you this. You, you and I were talking about this off air. Obviously, the victories are great. Finding ways to win is important. And that is one of the things that I've noticed, especially in your last two victories, is that uh, you have those um, moments of magic, those goals that you need to win games. But I was reading on the uh, Ars blog, that the performances haven't been the greatest, that the victories are fantastic, but the performances haven't matched up with the three points. So I want your thoughts about these 
performances in these games because it doesn't sound like they're at the level that you need to be, but you're getting all three points, so that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, um, they've definitely they've been very kind of busy, I think, is the way I'd put it, in terms of, of how they've been playing. Um, a lot of these games have been, they've been very slow starting um, and, and tend to give the opposition a couple of early chances, uh, which for the most part they haven't taken. Um, uh, but generally they've been better in second halves of games. Um, and part of that, I think you kind of have to give Emery a little credit for. He's been very proactive in terms of uh, making changes and will often make subs at halftime, which Wenger never did. That's one of the, the, the right. biggest differences you'd, you'd ever you'd see, really, that or that you could point at. Um, so he'll often make a change at halftime. And in general, they've been better. They've been a little bit more in control of games um, in second halves. But uh, yeah, generally it's come down to you know, they're not controlling games in terms of possession and in terms of dominating uh, teams um, so far, at least. And a lot of it has come down to either individual moments. Um, you know, they have obviously a lot of talented attackers and it's been down to either some of those guys making um, big individual plays or just a couple of them putting a move together, um, you know, for once and just uh, and being able to blitz and, and get in behind and get a goal. Uh, so it's it's not they've definitely not been dominating teams and and it, honestly it kind of feels like um, there's going to be a little bit of a reversion to the mean in terms of uh, results because if they keep playing this way you know they can't keep sustaining these wins with right. the level that they're playing at so they either have to play better or else uh, the results are going to um, come back a little bit for, but for now you know they're getting the points on the board can't argue with that and hopefully right. uh, you know the improvements will continue to come as. Emery gets more time working with uh, with the players. It's a work in progress, and it's great that you're working in this situation with winning matches. I mean, that to me is the best. Obviously, Fulham are not in the same situation. We're dealing with a brand-new team, and we're not winning matches. But it, obviously, Arsenal is, and that's great. And uh, your last two matches, I mentioned this to you off-air, that uh, I was uh, shocked that the amount of shots – by Everton and Watford were more than Arsenal. That actually surprised me. And then when I watched the highlights, Larry, I wasn't expecting what I saw. I saw Everton and Watford have some decent opportunities to get something out of both of these matches. And you told me you thought Everton had a very good chance to get something out of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the first half of that game against Everton, uh, they had really a couple of guilt edge chances um, and we're kind of lucky they don't really have a good center forward uh, they have that kid Calvert-Lewin who's a prospect yeah. but he's not really there yet um, you know he had probably their best chance and he just you know took too long about it um, Walcott had a half chance um, somebody else Richarlison was ripping Arsenal apart um, on his side as, as well and he really was excellent in that game and probably uh, could have had a goal as well so um, yeah, definitely, you know, Arsenal struggled against Everton. Again, that was another game where in the second half, Arsenal kind of got themselves together a little bit, um, got a little bit more control of the game. And once they got up, they were actually pretty impressive in how they saw out the game because 
one of the features of late era Wenger was that, um, you know, even if you were Arsenal or a couple of goals up going into the last 10 minutes, you never really felt comfortable um, about it. You all kind of <laughs> felt like they were going to give something up. But um, the, the one positive feature I'd say about the Everton game was is that once they kind of got ahead, uh, they, they fought out pretty nicely with relatively little stress. So that would be a welcome um, addition <laughs> if, uh, if that's something that uh, he can add uh, to the team going forward. But certainly, yeah, definitely, you know, Arsenal historically have an excellent record against Everton. They really, they rarely ever drop points to Everton, it has to be said, which um, I know bothers uh, some of my <laughs> Everton supporting friends uh, quite a bit. But, um, you know, I, I don't... I don't know how much you can really ascribe to that, but uh, definitely this time around, uh, it just seemed like nothing was going right uh, for Everton in that game. And that was Arsenal's first clean sheet in the season too. So yeah. um, that was nice, but honestly, uh, the defenders uh, weren't really in a position to crow too much about that because Everton did have big chances um, and uh, should, have, should have had at least one or, or two goals in that game. Okay, and what I noticed from the Watford match, because Fulham have recently played actually both teams, Watford had some very good opportunities to score. But again, once Arsenal had their opportunity, I know it went off the calf card, but that was still creating chances. And then, of course, you follow that up with another goal and you win 2-0. And this was yeah. late again. And that, to me, is also a good sign for Arsenal. But it also tells me that you're like you're like we're talking about, Larry, it's still a work in progress. But to win matches late is still something that you can look to as a, something to build on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, and, and another part of it was uh, that, you know, uh, Emery made changes um, and as far as kind of bringing subs on that kind of made a difference there, you know. Right. Um, in this instance, it was Alex Iwobi, um who uh, contributed a lot when he came on. He, he kind of gave the ball in that ended up going in off the defender, but it was a good uh, ball in and in general he made an impact when he comes on and, and he has been making an impact when he's played uh, this season he really looks uh, kind of stepped up a level this season the Wobie. Um so you know um, yeah and then as you say they were able to kill it off get a second quick goal and, and again start the game reasonably comfortable in the end but you know again it was another instance where um, the Arsenal defence gave up some big chances um, and uh, we're lucky to get away with a couple of them. Um, Czech had a couple of saves before he went yep. off injured, and then Leno um, had a couple of saves to make as well uh, after he had come on. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, another clean sheet, but not uh, by <laughs> no means a defensive masterclass. Okay, very good. All right, we've already been talking about a few of these, so I definitely want to find out from you the differences between Wenger and Emery. I've just written down, you were talking about changes. So I'm going to say, it sounds like to me that Emery's more proactive than Wenger was. And that, you know, again, that to me is huge. So let's talk about the other differences that you're noticing between the two managers. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be hard to, you know, look at it and like point out the really big differences in terms of the way the team ended up from at the end last year because um you know fundamentally the the formation is the same right, right. so it's basically going to be 4231 correct uh, which is where Wenger um, ended up last year after he uh, gave up on the uh, three center backs 
kind of formation. So, uh, and, it, and it is still questionable whether that is the best use of the personnel um, Arsenal have, right, as far as, um, you know, is it the best use of Obama Yang when he's playing kind of out left in that formation? Um, you know, is it the best, you know, how do you fit Ramsey and Ozil into the same formation? That's really been a problem. It's really been, you know, how about balancing uh, all those attacking assets that they have. Um, so, you know, but so fundamentally the formation is the same. Um, you know, he's talked a lot about kind of uh, focusing more on the high press, um, which we've seen a bit of, but honestly, not perhaps to the expense that we might have ex- expected kind of coming into the season. Now, maybe it's something that um, as time goes on, we'll start to see more of. But, you know, I, I, we've seen bits and pieces. It seems like they choose time, their time or their moment of when, when they do that. I mean, and I mentioned, um, you know, in the game against Man City, he played Ramsey really as at the top of the formation and he was really kind of leading, leading the high press. And that's been less a factor. And granted, um, you know, they've been playing teams that they would be kind of favored against and have generally, even if they haven't dominated in terms of chances, they've, they have generally uh, led the possession stats more. So you won't see the press that much. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been one of those things where, it's, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, particularly as come up against stronger teams uh, with the high press. Um, otherwise, there's, definitely been more of a focus on playing out from the back, uh, which has been a bit ropey at times. Um, Czech has struggled. Unfortunately, I know what that's like, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I mean, Czech has struggled for sure um, with uh, dealing with some of, of, you know, the opposition pressing, um, you know, uh, coming in on him. And w- we've been very lucky in uh, the first few games that we didn't give up a couple of goals off some very good chances that the opposition had. Um, as a result of that, either as a result of stray passes or miscontrols or, or whatever else. So, um, you know, they've been approved a little bit, but there's still a lot of work to go before we see a lot of benefit of that. Um, you know, other than that, you know, one of the things that you heard a lot from the players in preseason and from people kind of looking in on the team was how much harder they were working physically in terms of their fitness. Okay. Um, which, you know, I think... You know, from what we know about Wenger and his emphasis on technique and sort of letting the players do their own thing, that's probably not a surprise. Um, again, I don't know that you're we're necessarily seeing the benefits of that as yet um, at this point in the season. It's quite likely, though, that that's the sort of thing that maybe as the season goes on and gets towards the end, uh, maybe we'll start to see uh, that. Um, pay off a little bit more um, hopefully uh, towards the end of the season but um, you know other than that um, yeah it's it's generally you know generally the style the formation is the same you know there's still an emphasis on on trying to be the proactive team in terms of attacking and and dominating possession and doing that Um, but they haven't been able to get a flow going attacking wise yet in the way that Wenger's teams did but by the same token, they're doing something that, again, late year Wenger team struggled with, which is, you know, when they've been playing poorly, they've been managing to eke out wins. Whereas yeah. what often happened in the past few years with Wenger was that they would play quite well, but give up a couple of chances, probably give up a goal to the first good chance they conceded, and then struggle to, you know, a lot of sterile 
possession domination where they're owning the ball but really not creating much. Um, so you know, it's definitely that's it's hard to kind of ascribe that to because I don't think it's necessarily Emery's intention that they fail to um, kind of dominate possession but still manage to create some big chances. But that's sort of how it's been playing out. Um, so you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how much uh, better they get uh, as, as time goes on. Okay. Well, this is going to be a very interesting match. I'll just say this because Fulham are a possession-based team. This is what they want to do. They want to dominate yeah. the ball. Will they be able to do that against a team that that's what they do at Craven Cottage? That's what makes this very interesting. And and something that you said actually had a little bell go off in my head. You were talking about a high press. Now, Manchester City destroyed us with their high press. And for the first half against Watford, they did a very nice job against Fulham with their high press. And then Fulham actually changed the formation to a 4-2-3-1 from the 4-3-3. And it seemed to work. So it's interesting. I'll be interested to see if Emery decides to do any high press. But it sounds like you don't think he will. But we shall see. It did work against Fulham. So that the fact that you said that actually just got me thinking about that just for two seconds there. Larry, all right, let's move on. And let's get a little bit more into this. Let's talk about key players for you as we start talking about this upcoming match for Arsenal against Fulham. Who, who do you think has to play well to get all three points? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to the attackers, uh, really. I mean, they've Arsenal do have a lot of you know good options uh, up front. Um, you know, obviously Lacazette's been playing really well. Uh, this season so far, he's probably been the best player. And even though he started on the bench with Aubameyang in that centre-forward position, and but Lacazette came on and uh, basically played his way into the team to the point where he's now the centre-forward and Aubameyang is playing on the left wing, which probably isn't Aubameyang's best position. And he's Aubameyang is probably slightly better centre-forward than Lacazette, but he's slightly better at being on the left wing than Lacazette would be. So it's it's right. kind of, a, you know, one of those things. So, you know, I, I think uh, looking at those guys, um, you know, and, and we'll have to see who is otherwise playing in that, um, you know, behind that striker in, in those other three attacking positions. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I know that uh, Mkhitaryan is not traveling for the Europa League game uh, this week. So that kind of, Suggests to me there's a decent chance that he might start against Fulham, even though he hasn't started the last couple of games, which I yeah. kind of like to see because I, I think that um, I, I'm, I've kind of come to the conclusion that Ramsey and Ozil cannot play in the same team. Um, they just don't balance well. Um, you know, if Ozil plays out on the right, it uh, you know just he, he keeps drifting in fields to where he you know to find space where he wants to be. I'm a big be. fan of Aaron Ramsey's, by the way. Big fan. I am too, uh, you know, but I, I think he has to be in the right situation. I mean, I like Ramsey as a player. He, he's, you know, he's probably not going to be at Arsenal next year. Uh, contract talks have broken down. Um, so chances are he's going to leave and uh, free at the end of the season. You know, the truth is Arsenal probably should have sold him during the summer because, um, you know, they just got 40 or 50 million for him and now he's yeah. going to leave on a free um, you know, this summer. That's not great. Um, you know, so but uh yeah, I mean I I think the problem when it comes to Ramsey, I actually um kind of compare it a little bit to Steven Gerrard in terms of he's capable of being a great player, but sometimes to the detriment of the team as a whole. 
Um, sometimes you kind of have to put them in a box to benefit the team. Like, and I, I kind of compare that to when Liverpool had Gerrard sort of in a box in that sort of right-sided midfield position and they went on a great kind of winning run uh, for a while there, you know. But, um, you know, obviously Ramsey hasn't really reached Gerrard's level in general. But, sure. um, you know... I know he, what you're saying, Larry. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I think if he's going to leave at the end of the season, honestly... Like Arsenal have basically gone all in on Mesut Ozil. They gave him a huge contract uh, yep. last year. You know, he's the most highly paid player on the team. So they kind of have to figure out how to get the most out of him. And if you're going to get the most out of him, you got to play him kind of in that number 10 role in the middle. Um, so, you know, I think they need to just settle on that. Ramsey's going to have to suffer through the end of the season and play in bits and pieces. Um, and uh, I would love to see, I would like to see Ozil in that middle position and maybe Mkhitaryan on the right and sort of see how that plays out, um, you know, and, and kind of go from there. But uh, we'll see. We haven't really seen that um, that lineup yet, um, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping there's a chance we might see that this weekend. Okay, very good there, Larry. All right, let's move on. Let's go to strengths and weaknesses of Arsenal, I want to get your thoughts on this. And one of the things I like to do on the View of the Opposition show is I go to whoscored.com and I read to my guests what they say as the strengths and weaknesses. See if they match up with what you know about your team. So I'm going to share that with you. And uh, if you have any other strength or weakness you want to mention, feel free to. Let's start with what whoscored.com says is strengths of Arsenal. Very strong, creating long shot opportunities. Strong at coming back from losing positions, finishing scoring chances, shooting from direct free kicks, attacking down the wings. What I've seen from Arsenal, that pretty much backs it up. Would you agree with WhoScored.com's strengths there? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they have some really good finishers there in Lacazette and Aubameyang. You know, two as good, two as good finishers as probably there are in the league. Um, and yeah, definitely they've been getting a lot of favor down the flanks, particularly on the left flank. And there's been they've been very left flank dominant um, this season uh, so far. Um, you know, probably partially because of Bamiyang's down there, and I think uh, you know the central midfielders are probably uh, leaning towards trying to find him, particularly because Ozil tends to come um, central, so he's not exactly, you know, he, he's not uh, your traditional outside winger who's going to try and get outside the fullback and, and ping one across. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely on the left flank, uh, they've been very strong, um, you know, and, and, you know, in general, for sure, they're better going forward than they are at the Sunday. Um So, you know, both fullbacks will get forward yep. um, too, uh, you know, so that's going to be something to watch out for. Okay, very good. This is what they list as the weaknesses, Larry. Avoiding offside, avoiding individual errors, stopping opponents from creating chances, defending against attacks down the wings, defending against through ball attacks. Now, I've just seen highlights. I've seen extended highlights. I've seen some of what whoscored.com is talking about. Would you agree with these weaknesses? Um, yeah. Um, you know, the, the avoiding offside thing is kind of because, uh, I mean, they have – Somebody like Aubameyang who wants to get in behind, he's going to get cut offside. So that's, you know, I don't know if I necessarily think that's a weakness. It's more of a function of the kind of game he has. But um, yeah, individual errors is a huge one uh, with the defenders. Um, you know, they they've been given up a lot of big chances just based on defenders making mistakes or, you know, 
you know, some of the midfielders too, uh, Yushaka in particular, still has an infuriating tendency to dwell on the ball in dangerous positions, get robbed, and all of a sudden you have a midfielder um, running at the at the back four, um, you know, with nobody uh, nobody to chase him down. So, um, you know, individual errors is huge. Um, and yeah, on the flanks, particularly on Arsenal's right hand side, um, Bellerin oftentimes gets left on an island out there because, and again, this is partially because Ozil has been playing on the right a lot. Um, and because he drifts in field, it means that basically the entire right flank is left to Bellerin um, to, to kind of own. So, you know, if you can kind of overload on that side and, you, you know, get two on one or just get uh, even two on two or whatever, um, you know, Everton did that. Richarlison was able to uh, really give him a pretty hard time um, in that game. So, you know, that would be an area for sure. Um you know, because you've got Sessegnon's at left back, right? Is he, is he been playing left back or left midfield this season? He's been both, but um, with our injury to uh, Joe Brown, I have a funny feeling he will be at left back. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he could be at left back for this match because I'm thinking about exactly what you're saying. Down the left, we could have a little bit of joy, and Sessegnon could potentially take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sherla kind of uh, lean over towards that side, right, and, and maybe uh, try and try and make hay there as well. So, um, yeah, down the flanks. And, you know, if, like if I'm looking at uh, that Arsenal from a Fulham perspective, yep. there's probably a couple of things. I, I'd look at kind of exploiting that side. And if, um, you know, I'm assuming if Mitrovic is going to be playing up front, I yes. would be leaning towards uh, Mustafi as centre-back and looking to exploit because he, he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, I'm hoping that, um, again, in terms of a change, I'm looking forward to at some point. Um, we obviously have Kashalny to come back from injury, but it's questionable whether he, at this point, is going to be able to contribute in the same way as he used to. Um, he definitely lost a step in the past couple of years with all his Achilles injuries, and he had surgery in the summer. We'll have to see how good he is coming back. But even if he doesn't come back, um, I, I really like Rob Holding as a young centre-back, and I would like to see him play next to Sopratis as a centre-back pairing and uh, you know give Mustafi a chance to cool his heels on the sideline because pretty much every game um, there's one or two mistakes uh, that... Uh, you know, so far they've been able to get away without uh, too much damage, but um, you know it's only a matter of time. So I, you know, if I'm if I'm Fulham, I'm looking at exploiting Mustafi. I'm looking at, <laughs> at exploiting that Arsenal right wing. Um, you know, maybe Shaka as well. He would be the midfielder I okay. would press. Um, it's likely to be Torreira next to Shaka. Torreira is a little terrier. I love him. Um, okay. You know, he, he's he's the guy that I'm, I'm looking to. Uh, you know, really change how that Arsenal defensive midfield works. Um, but, uh, you know, assuming Shaka is playing, um, then uh, he would be the guy you would press in midfield and, and try and get some turnovers on. Okay, fantastic. And uh, honestly, Mitro's a handful, so this should be interesting. I'm glad that you shared that. I want to see how that all plays out there, my friend. All right, let's move on. I actually have a little bit of a stats comparison for you that I got from whoscore.com where both teams are in the league. When I go through it with you, see what you think about where these two teams are in a lot of categories. There are just a few defensive categories, but mostly offensive categories. Let's start here, and let's start with shots per game. And uh, Fulham are actually second to worst in the league at 17.4 shots that they give up. Arsenal are seventh worst at 13.7. Then we go to tackles per game. Fulham are 14th in the league at 15.9. 
and Arsenal are 18th at 15.1. Then we go to interceptions. Fulham are 10th at 11.4, and Arsenal are 16th at 9.1. Those are just defensive stats. Now let's go for offensive stats. Goals. Fulham are tied at 12th with 18. Arsenal are tied at 4th with 14. Shots per game. Fulham are 8th at 12.9, and Arsenal are 10th at 12.6. On target. Fulham are tied at 10th at 4.6, and Arsenal are tied at 4th with 5.6. Passing average. Fulham are tied at 7th at 52.2, and Arsenal are 4th at 55.4. Passing accuracy. Fulham are 6th at 82.9, and Arsenal are 4th at 83.1. Overall rating where all the players are rated. Arsenal is 5th at 6.84, and Fulmer 16th at 6.59. We're 17th, so that does make sense. All right, Larry, what stands out to you for the stats between the teams? Um, well, I wouldn't be putting my money on a scoreless draw, let's put it that way. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably expect uh, both teams to have chances. You know, that's kind of been the way it's going. Um, I don't think uh, Arsenal are I, – I, I don't expect Arsenal to keep a clean sheet at the weekend. I do think Fulham are going to score – um, okay. You know, and I, I think in general, uh, you know, there could be a few goals in this game. I don't know what the under over is uh, from the bookies on it, but I might be tempted to take the over if I was a betting man. Sure. Okay, very good. All right, let me ask you a little bit about Fulham. What are your thoughts of them so far in, in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll confess, I haven't seen um, a full-on game. I've only really uh, seen highlights kind of here and there. Um, you know, from what I saw of, of the highlights of the game against Popper, it looked like uh, they had some chances that, you know, they maybe could have taken and, and didn't and got punished for it. Um, you know, and that's kind of the tough thing. I think when you're a promoted team, the, the one thing I always kind of look at, you know, when you're looking at promoted teams or if you're looking at teams who are going to be in potentially a relegation battle is, uh, do you have, um, you know, goal scoring potential in the team? Uh, so really, you know, for Fulham, it's probably going to come down to can Mitrovic carry that load for them? Um, you know, can he nick them enough games, uh, nick them enough points with, with uh, goals? Um, you know, is Charlotte going to be able to contribute enough goals or, or wherever else are, you know, the goals are going to come from? So, you know, if, if you can, you know, steal a win here and there with just that one extra goal, um, that's kind of going to go a long way. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, how it goes. I, I'm actually I'm actually kind of interested, too, to get a look at Jean-Michel Serri because he's a player yes. that had been linked with Arsenal for a few years. And it was never entirely clear whether Wenger was actually interested in him or if it was just his agent. Because uh, a lot of French players' agents used to uh, use Arsenal as a way of... Uh, kind of ginning up yeah, interest in their play. Oh, well, yeah. Arsenal are interested in that kind of thing. And it was sometimes it was a bit of a con. But um, I am kind of curious to get a look at him too, just because he was, for a couple of years, um, always turning up, uh, been linked um, with Arsenal. So I'm kind of curious to see how he goes. I'm looking forward to getting a good look at Ryan Plessignon too. Obviously, he's had a lot of hype yep. um, over the past year. So uh, I'll see if he can live up to it as well. I think you're going to like what you see from Sarri. Well, maybe not in this match, but just in general, because uh, he's very impressive. And uh, along with uh, Mitrovic, I think he's probably second on the list as uh, players that, uh, you, in my opinion, you should be concerned with because Sarri can control a game. We want to play the possession-based style. Obviously, Arsenal want to do the same. A key to that is Jean-Michael Sarri, and uh, hopefully he will be able to do that for Fulham. 
And um, like I mentioned before, Mitrovic is a handful. And, uh, of course, we have Sheryl. But going back to what you were saying before, Larry, about newly promoted teams, and I agree with you. Do you have the goals? I think Fulham have the goals. I, I know Mitrovic can score, and I think that Sheryl can as well, just like you said. I think Fulham will have enough goals to be comfortable. I, I don't see us in a relegation battle. I think we are approaching it differently than many teams that come up that are just trying to survive. Fulham aren't trying to do that. And it's a little bit of a struggle right now because we're trying to find our feet. It's a brand new team. A lot of players to learn how to play with each other. So it's not where it's. I think it's going to be in, say, two months' time. But I think Fulham's approach and the way that they are, I think, going to have the ability to score goals, I think, will suit them well in the second half of the season. But right now, it's it's a work in progress. It's a different work in progress than Arsenal. Arsenal, obviously, is, is Arsenal. All right, before we go on to predictions, a couple of things I want to ask you. First of all, the injury to Petr Cech, how big is that for Arsenal? Thoughts on the injury to Cech? Um, yeah, I mean, Cech's been very good so far this season. Um, you know, during the summer, obviously, Arsenal paid, you know, uh, what was it, $22 million or something like that for Burnt Leno, which you know, a year or two ago would have been a hell of a lot of money for a goalkeeper, but obviously we've seen a couple of other goalkeepers go for much bigger money than that just this summer. So, you know, by the on the scale of an Allison or a Kepa or whatever else, um, you know, it's not that big. But it's more money than Arsenal have ever paid uh, for a keeper. And probably a lot of Arsenal fans expected Leno to start the first game of the season. Uh, but uh, Emery stuck with Czech, and he's been excellent at all the primary things a goalkeeper is supposed to do. Um, he's been very solid with his hands, made a lot of good saves. Um, he's been as good in that regard as he's probably ever been at Arsenal because uh, the last couple of seasons, it didn't seem like maybe he was, um, you know, it seemed like maybe he was losing a step, but he's been very good. But he has struggled with some of the uh, footwork in terms of, uh, you know, playing it out from the back and everything else. And that is somewhere that Leno specifically was supposed to be good at, right? That was an area where he was um, having uh, said to excel, um, you know, in the Bundesliga. So um, we've seen Leno a couple of times um, so far this season. He was good when he came in against uh, Watford at the weekend. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played, yeah, he played, um, he played in the League Cup game as well, made a couple of saves there uh, too before I think he got beat with a worldly by the uh, Brentford guy. But, um, you know, he, he looks solid so far. There's been a couple of rumours and kind of talk coming out from the club that, you know, Leno maybe wasn't impressing on the training round, and that was the reason why he wasn't really uh, getting uh, the starts that uh, we might have expected. Um, you know, it's hard to know how true that is, um, you know, whether he had that confidence level, um, you know, from the manager. But, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, with keepers, it can take some time, um, you know, and, and one mistake kind of lives with you for a while. You have to really mm-hmm. earn back that uh, trust after you even make a single mistake. But so far, it's fine. I think I'm not that worried um, just because he's there, because Leno is there. Um, yep. You know, uh, you know, if I had been last season, um, you know, we might have been a little more concerned. But we'll see. I, that check's going to be out for a month now with the yeah. hamstring injury. I saw so Leno's that. really, yeah, Leno's really got a chance to sort of stake his claim, and he's only 24. Four, I think, uh, which is young for a keeper. Uh, so you know, he's got a chance to, uh, you know, try and 
stake his claim as Arsenal's keeper of the future because uh, Czech is 36, and even after this season, I'm not sure how many, how, how, you know, how much longer he's going to be at Arsenal. Okay, very good, Larry. One more thing: Arsenal are in the Europa League, so Fulham played against Burnley. That's I, mean, I could just tell that it made a difference because they had played that Thursday. Will you do the Thursday to Sunday? How much of a factor do you think? the Europa League match on Thursday will be for the match on Sunday? So, normally, I would say not much, just because um, Arsenal kind of have the luxury of changing um, out the team quite a bit, because, you know, the Europa League group stages are kind of a stroll for Arsenal, to be honest. Like, yeah. um, you know, the opposition isn't that good, and, and they will change up a lot. But in, in this instance, I think it actually might be uh, quite a difference, because Arsenal have to travel to... Azerbaijan, and it's something like five or six hours travel each way. That's so, kind of know, why I'm bringing this up because yeah. I know that's where, where you're playing. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and and he brought kind of a. I thought he might leave a few more players at home. Um, McTarian stayed at home. Ramsey stayed at home, and Aubameyang stayed at home. I think Ramsey stayed because his wife is expecting a baby, and I think uh, Aubameyang had a cold or something. And uh, Mkhitaryan stayed home because of geopolitics. Um, so, because I guess Ar- Armenians aren't welcome in Azerbaijan these days. Um, oh. So, I-, I thought he might leave a couple more players home, but all everyone else travels. So, even if they don't play, you know, they're gonna have they're gonna be getting back in the early hours of Friday morning. Probably some R and R on Friday, night training Saturday, and then a game on Sunday. It's not a lot of time to prepare. So, yeah, in, th- in this instance, I think it might have an effect. I think um, you know. The players might still be a little bit leggy and, um, you know, those slow starts that Arsenal have been having so far this season, uh, you know, there could be another one on Sunday. So, you know, if I'm the Fulham manager, you know, I definitely wouldn't look to be conservative at the start of the game. Like, there's no such thing as, you know, let's keep it in the oh, middle of the Oh, he's not going to be. That's not in his DNA. That's, yeah. um, so this is not conservative at all. In fact, that's, he's the exact opposite. Yeah, so. I mean, he, he, he should definitely be trying to look at really at Arsenal, I think, in yeah. the first 15 minutes and, you know, totally agree with that. wake them up, um, you know, catch them while they're still still waking up, you yeah. know, I think that might profit them a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. I, you know, yeah. like I said, I, I don't expect a lot of those players, I think a good few of them might sit on the bench, but, you know, all that travel. But it's still the travel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Still the travel, and, and uh, I could just tell that it affected Burnley. That's why I just wanted to bring this up. I know Arsenal obviously has been doing this for years and years and years and obviously can deal with it, but I was just thinking more on the travel and regardless of who plays because if you have to deal with that, and then the, and, and then you have the turnaround on Sunday. And Sunday's match is uh, at noon in England, so it's you know, again, it's not even later. It's, it's fairly early, so... Yeah, yeah, I am. Gl- I am glad that even though it's, um, you know, even though it's an away game, that uh, it's it's in London, so it's not like they have to travel too far no, on uh, Sunday. Not. But uh, <laughs> you know, it might be different. It might, you know, it might add to the struggle if they have to go up to like Newcastle or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, but uh, Fulham is relatively close. It's very close there, my friend. All right, let's go to my section on predictions. First of all, I want to ask you, what does Arsenal need to do to win this match? How do they be Fulham in your eyes? Um, you know, the defenders have to be better. Uh, um, you know, I think uh, Torreira has been excellent. I'm assuming he's going to start again. 
Um, you know, he really, uh, you know, helps out a lot in terms of that defensive midfield area, in terms of interceptions, cutting off passing angles uh, for opposition midfielders and, you know, providing cover and support for the centre-backs and the kind of um, covers out to the flanks as well. So, you know, he's going to have a big role to play in terms of uh, from a defensive aspect. But otherwise, whoever starts at the back you know I really just we, the centre-backs need to stop making mistakes and you know I mentioned Mustafi in particular uh, needs to cut that out I think Socrates is going to be back this week so that would be a help um, I'd be quite excited if it's Socrates and Holding instead of Socrates and Mustafi but we'll see how it goes um, and otherwise it's just going to be a case I think because I do think Arsenal will get chances against Fulham Yep. Um, you know, I from what I've seen so far, some of them are going to give up some chances. So, you know, if Lacazette and Aubameyang and you know whoever else is up there, if they uh, take chances at the race uh, that they have been so far, I think Arsenal should be okay. I think, uh, you know, this could be uh, you know we'll score more, one more than you type of game. Okay, and what's interesting is that you're talking about players that I've already seen that have those moments of magic, those scoring goals. Again, the the game could be even, and then you have that difference maker. You have it, and you just name the players. And I saw an incredible goal by Lacazette. I thought that was a fantastic goal. I want to say it was, it was against Everton. And, um, and then, of course, you, you do have goal scorers there, so it's going to be difficult for Fulham. So I understand why you were leaning on them. Okay, now I'm going to put you in the shoes of Slavisa Jokanovic. I think you kind of already have talked a little bit about this. And, you know, and I already filled you in that Savisa is the exact opposite of someone that's going to be conservative. He is extremely aggressive. So in your eyes, what does Fulham need to do to win this match? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely try and start fast, um, you know, press high, uh, you know, get in at the centre-backs, get in. Um, don't give Shaka time on the ball. Um, you know, if he's feeling leggy, you're going to want to punish that and get in on him. Um, you know, down that left flank, uh, see if you can uh, get overloads on Bellerin, um, you know, or, or catch him out if he's, uh, you know, if he's attacking and, and get that uh, counter-attack down, uh, down that left flank, if you like. Um, you know, I think that's, I'd, you know, I'd really just look for them to be aggressive at the start. Because um, okay. I think if Fulham are going to win that game, I think uh, they need to be going in um, in front at half time. I don't think they can count on, uh, you know, um, I don't think they can count on you know winning it in the second half. I think they need to um, get in early, take the chances that probably will come, and uh, and make the most of them. Okay, excellent. All right, Larry, give me your prediction for this match. Um, I'm gonna say one all halftime, three one to Arsenal left full time. Yeah, I think uh, okay. I think I, I am confident just because the uh, attackers have been in such good form. Um, you know, I think. Lacazette and Aubameyang, I think they'll get enough chances to uh, to do it. Okay. All right. It's uh, funny because uh, I've been wrong often because full season hasn't been starting off the way that I had hoped. And a um, big part of me wants to go for a draw here, say 1-1 or 2-2. But uh, I'm going to go for a Fulham victory because I think Fulham are due to beat a top team. I think that they've had times where they've looked good against Tottenham, They've had times where they look good against Everton. Obviously, I don't think Everton's at the level of Arsenal. So I think that they have this opportunity to really prove at home because some of these matches against Manchester City, which they looked horrible against, and of course against uh, Tottenham were on the road and Everton on the road. This is at home. They're playing a, a top team at home. 
And uh, they're going to be up for this. So I'm going to go for the upset, Larry. I'm going to say two to one to Fulmer. Could be wrong here, but I see some growth of the team. I definitely see some issues, and we have some problems going into this match with injuries. I think they're going to pull this off. So I'm going with a two to one upset. But I certainly understand why you went for a three to one Arsenal victory. Listen, Larry, before we go, I just want to thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. I enjoy uh, always enjoy waffling around about Arsenal. I hope I didn't uh, <laughs> hope I didn't bore your listeners too much. <laughs> I don't think you did at all. You, you you were great there, my friend. Let's wrap this up for my guest, Larry Guinan. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.